Welcome to episode 25 of Doing the Work with Jay and Becca. And today I am so excited because we have the one and only Jessica Pryor with us today. Um, And we are going to talk all about the Jay and Jessica relationship, which to be honest, if you have not met them in person, they are literally like the epitome of what like relationship goals, like hashtag relationship goals. Like they... (laughs) Are the couple that we all look to and go, yep, that's that's how it's supposed to be done. And and so I wanted, and we talked about it, and we've we've talked about getting her on for so long and having that conversation about relationships and the work in relationships and all of the above and how they make it work between the two of them. So I'm so excited to have you. Welcome, Jessica. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Well, first things first, I guess, is to get us started, is to give us a little background on your relationship, how you guys met. And then I also want to learn a little bit more about Jessica so people can meet you and hear about where you came from and all of that good stuff. So um, I don't know which way you want to start. Do you want to start with a Jessica introduction or do we want to start talking about the Jay and Jessica evolution? Um, I don't know. I don't know. We're talking about relationships. So let's start with just talking about us because it's not necessarily pertinent where, where I, I came from. <laughs> where you background come from. <laughs> <laughs> well, we want to know uh, what made you. We could go on and on about that. And then the podcast would be really long. Everybody would be like, what? Why are we talking about it? <laughs> um, so, so I'll tell you how we met is um, we had both moved to Washington, D.C. around the same time in 1999 and uh, had sort of sort of met around each other, met some people in common around the time that we moved there. But we really met when I and my girlfriend moved into the house that he lived in. Nice. She so, lived across the hall from me with her girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> oh. so it was, it was a house. There were like six people housing share, which is pretty common in DC. It's very expensive to live there. So I had just I had graduated from college and I had done an internship, which um, was awesome. It was at the Smithsonian, but um, you know, as many of us who've had internships know, they don't particularly pay well. So um, I was feeling very lucky to have a place to live, um, <laughs> and uh, we became friends uh, after we had moved in there. So we started hanging out together. Uh, the three of us and your nephew, Aaron, really yeah. four of us in the house. We hung out in the house together. Uh, so she moved in across the hall with her girlfriend. And then almost within a couple of weeks, she also started working at the same place that I was working at. Yes. So wow. we worked in the same office and the office was in DC proper, like downtown. And we were out in Arlington. So we had a little bit of a commute which in D.C. is about four miles, but it took about 30 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) And also in D.C. they call, they have these HOV lanes, which is high occupancy vehicle, which means that you cannot drive in the, in the lane unless you have more than one person in your car. So her, her riding to work with me allowed me to go in the HOV lanes and for us to get to work faster. So we started riding to work together and that's how we became friends. We started riding to work together, became best friends yeah. Ended up hanging out. Well, we, uh, all of us sort of, we socially uh, were hanging out with the same yeah, group of with people. All, yeah, the, the, all of us in the house hung out together. And so she, and then, um, so we were very good friends. And then uh, Vicky, my, who I had been dating at the time, um, 
and I broke up and then we, Jay and I were still best buddies and still went to all the social things together. People started saying, are you guys dating? And I'm like, <laughs> we just live in the same house and go to all the same places. <laughs> <laughs> so we're always together. That was a common question and we would look at everybody like, well, no, like, <laughs> Why I think just because we show up everywhere together and do everything together? That would be- <laughs> <laughs> Why would you say that? <laughs> um, so true. yeah, so we were pretty much best buds for about a year before a year and a half. Yeah, yeah. before, and then we, we had that really awkward time where we sort of started to be interested in each other, and we were concerned our friendship was going to get ruined. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then, long story short, we just at some point decided, how about if we just don't we don't goof it up? Like, why don't we just yeah. commit to having a powerful relationship with each other? Which we didn't have those words at the time because we weren't transformed. Well, <laughs> but we just decided that we would make a commitment to each other and not screw it up. Nice. Yeah. Be and you've not been and... screwing it up now for how many years? Thirteen, Thirteen years. years of marriage. Of marriage. It's been yeah. longer than that since. Yeah, we met in '99, so we've been friends for 17 years. Yeah. Uh, we got and uh, actually last Tuesday was our 13th wedding anniversary. It was indeed. Yay. Yes, that picture, the pictures of your guys' wedding just literally made your heart melt. We had a great time. It was gorgeous. It was gorgeous. Well, you and you guys were both gorgeous. So we look like such babies, you know, when you look back. I'm sure you have so much hair. Oh, I know. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, whoa, look at you. Look at all that hair. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think probably a question people might wonder because we we have had the conversation around Jay's transition from female to male was did you meet Jay before the transition okay Uh, well no okay so when I met Jay when I moved into the house um Jay was in that time period where he was going by he and sort of living as a man but had not started taking testosterone or doing any of those things so when I met him I sort of my read was like a which woman, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. so, um, and we met each other. I mean, I found out about the house listening through a friend of mine who I'd met through lesbian Avengers. So, um, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what's happening. And so he said, he let us know when, uh, he and his nephew picked us up from the Metro to come see the house that he preferred male pronouns. And I was like, okay, I'm so glad I don't live in the street. I don't really care. But <laughs> you want me to call you he fine. Like, I don't really know what any of that means, but that's fine. Whatever. Uh, and we talked a lot about that uh, with Vicki. Sorry. I'm an R. It's okay. <laughs> it's all right. Yes. Um, see again. So, <laughs> He, so that was what had happened. So basically I knew that he identified as a transgendered person. Yeah. I hadn't started. I hadn't, I wasn't even in therapy talking about testosterone then. Right. I had decided, you know, my transition was really slow and I had decided I wasn't going to go on testosterone or at least I thought I'd, you know, like I just, I was just going to live as Jay and as a butch, like my identity mm-hmm. was going to be, I'm a butch. And I went by male pronouns. Yes. And by I remember asking you about that because I said, okay, so if you're not going to have any surgery or take any testosterone, what is the difference between being a trans man and being a butch woman? (laughs) Right. 
Right. Yeah. And, I mean, at the time, for me, that was the difference between going on testosterone and not. So I wasn't going to go on testosterone. I had, I would, I think I probably would have had my had chest surgery, but I wasn't going to go on testosterone. And, I mean, you know, it's interesting now, looking at that, because now, butch as a gender is actually not a big deal. Like, a lot of people, I mean, it's not, young people are gender fluid and people I'm a butch and that's their gender. Back in 2000, in 1999, that was like nobody was doing that. So it was. Well, no, I think it, that is interesting because there really wasn't much conversation then around gender queer yeah. and not non binary. No such thing identities. as gender queer then. Yeah. I'm a pioneer. You <laughs> considered you are. You have everything. I love it. Um, you started it all, Jay. Um, the, but with you, Jessica, you identified as a lesbian. And so, or did you? Identified as bi- I identified as bisexual oh, Okay. at that time in my life. And so I used to joke that it was like, I got the best of both worlds or something. <laughs> <laughs> I had it all. I don't know. I just made jokes about that, but no, I was someone. And I mean, I don't know. I never was very attached to my own label. I know for a lot of people that is a challenge mm-hmm. um, because you see yourself as a lesbian and your partner transitions to be a man, then what does that mean? Or or if you're a heterosexual couple and your partner transitions, you know, it has something to, that it says something about your own identity. For me, I wasn't all that attached to it and I sort of identified as bisexual. So I didn't have a lot of, I don't know, self soul searching <laughs> to do around that. Right. I think people, you know, like, that's a very common question. We get that all Mm -hmm. the time. And even when I speak on panels, people always ask, like, did your wife know before? Or how does she identify? Because I think people do are very attached to their labels. And they and there and there is a lot of, you know, I don't know, energy around that anyway, Mm -hmm. but she never has like, she's always just been like, whatever. So really, if like you identified in today's quote, unquote, labels, you probably would be more like pan. Yeah, right, something exactly. like that, yeah. right? If I cared to go research it and right. self-search it that way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, if I really needed a label. Right. If I had to check a box. Yeah. 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 Right. It would be So more. then you guys met. You weren't in the work when you met. or no. Or had you done any? I mean, I know that. I mean, I had done, you know, I had been in AA and that kind of stuff and you know I'd done that with that mm-hmm. kind of stuff and then and Enough, then saw a therapist around <laughs> and I'd seen I'd been in therapy you know since right. I was 18 um enough that you know like one of my <laughs> one of my funny stories about us especially given uh where we are now is when we first got together when we first hooked up I wanted to talk about it and she wouldn't speak to me. <laughs> she was like, no. I'm not talking about that. I was like, um, I'm pretty sure that the correct thing to do is just to not talk about this because it's awkward until it goes away. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Mr. Communication, man. I'm like, hey, we need to communicate. We need to be talking about this. What's going on? I need to... And she was <laughs> like, how do we manage She this? would ignore me. Because <laughs> I was mortified. I was like, horrified. <laughs> no, why would you speak this out loud? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I totally identify with that. It's like, oh no, we'll just so someone out there is like, oh, I agree. Why are you all talking about this right now? <laughs> yes. 
They're like, I just, it just happens and we'll just make it till it stops being awkward. I love that. It's so yeah. true. Just pretend it's not happening. When he's talking about when we first started to um, try to like first started feeling, you know, more than friends mm-hmm. and it's like, aren't we going to talk about this? And I was, she was like, like, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> nope, we'll just let it happen and then we'll all be good. And, or, or we won't. <laughs> yeah. Until we act out. And then... <laughs> Until we drink and oh, I guess you were an AA. I was gonna say usually what my no, my no, my way was AA, doing it. No, Until we drink enough exactly to sleep right. together, drunk and make yeah. out and have yeah. sex and <laughs> and then maybe then we'll have to be like that, oh, she talk about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do we want to identify this? No, no. Let's just keep doing what we're doing and we'll be okay. <laughs> so then you guys started yeah. the, rela- <laughs> the relationship. Yeah, relationship. Yeah, we're so healthy. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is how we started. I, mean, Look at the- I think it's important to talk about that though, because we also didn't. There was there was an out of integrity with us oh, connecting because I was seeing somebody else. Yeah. I cheated on somebody. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, bad news. It was not good. No integrity. <laughs> there was no integrity. Not starting from a good. We did not start from a good integrity place. Now, what I would say though that worked really well, and I always uh, will tell people this one of the things that works really well is that our relationship is based around the fact that we were best friends first. Yeah. So there wasn't a time of, I don't know what people, people start dating people and they, there's that weird chemical thing that happens. Number one, where like everything looks wonderful Mm -hmm. because you have that chemical thing happening, but there's also trying to put on your best face or be, you know, be attractive to the person and yes. we were that was not where we were no we you were know like it's like the pre-farting in front of each other versus oh, the post farting in front of each other already shared a bathroom and like yeah. been well for me that was actually a check mark because i knew i could share i knew that <laughs> i'm not kidding because i had been with women who you know i'd had past relationships with women who were the most untidy and nah, dirty people uh, well, but I mean, <laughs> clean and so you know I'm serious I'm uh, she was somebody who I knew well I, you know if I was looking at all the things because I was thinking about like long term here I'm like I can live with her like I she's clean she knows how to she doesn't isn't that isn't everywhere. that nice yeah isn't that romantic wrong, but you can't I think it's important that you have some level of well like, sometimes there are things that you want to definitely me, have similar yeah and from as tidy as I am that's a deal breaker yeah. yeah. And now we have children, so there's no tidiness anymore. Yeah. We don't um, have to in our life anymore. But what I was gonna say <laughs> is what I think is actually important about that is that people sometimes don't consider the fact that the person that they're attracted to or and the person they're gonna marry, you know, you're gonna go through a lot of different things. You want that to be someone who you would want to hang out with, regardless of whether you felt attracted to them at the time, because that's something that may ebb and flow right <laughs> during yeah. throughout the years and I think that that is a challenge that we kind of had already uh dealt with because we liked each other anyway yeah right. you know, aside from any of that part or who what you know what you want in a relationship it was we already enjoyed going and checking out random things in DC together and just sitting around on yeah our, we enjoyed each other's company on our deck chatting and we already which is something that I think um, is such a standout for me with your relationship is that you guys really like each other. I mean, like you like 
just being together. You like the things just hanging out in the quiet times in the, and I think that that's something that can, is such a strong basis to your relationship that a lot of relationships you could say, oh, well, you know, I love my husband or I love my partner or whatever. And, but like, we aren't really necessarily in that same space. We like, if we're alone sitting across the table from each other, we don't have a lot to talk about, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and so you guys, when you see each other together, you can tell that, that you, you really like each other. It's not just love. It's not just passion. It's not just what, you know, lust or whatever. It's like, there's a true like there between the two of you. Yeah. And that's, I think something, you know, that is something apart from any other work we've done or anything that was really foundational for our relationship because we were friends for a long time before starting to date each other. And I mean like close friends who live together and work together and went to parties together and, why did anyone or ever think you were dating? <laughs> yeah, why? Well, I don't know. That was so weird. I don't know why anyone would have thought that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, we also know that it is unique because we hang out with a lot of different people and a lot of different couples. And um, it's rare to find other couples who really like, who are really good friends and really enjoy being together. No, it's true. Um, and, yeah. so, and we really, my mom always used to say, well, the most important thing is you enjoy each other. And that's the thing. We really enjoy being together and enjoy each other. So I think I agree. That's that's I mean, it's not, foundational. Not that I think everyone wants to be together as much as we like to be together, <laughs> nor do I think everyone needs to want I mean, you know, for many people going to separate workplaces, for example. <laughs> yeah. It's a good thing in their relationship, a very good thing. So Yeah, yeah. So then you guys started obviously your relationship progressed but I love the be I love your beginning story even though you guys say you're out of integrity or whatever but I just I love the I love the foundation of you um and then so then you guys you know started to fall in love then when Mm -hmm. did how did the work or that kind of part of it sort of fall into place for you guys was it a together thing was it one of you or the other that brought it to the Jessica table Jessica starts everything <laughs> <laughs> Okay well so here's what happened I was really struggling with um what I wanted to do and what I wanted my life to look like and trying to get that kind of stuff figured out I think they call it a quarter life crisis right yeah uh anyway so I you know I tried seeing a therapist and she was like I don't really think you need a therapist <laughs> you know, this is just normal life stuff and I was devastated about it you know like oh shoot uh so this friend a friend of mine suggested that we take the landmark forum or I take the landmark forum and I went and I hated the introduction and I thought it sounded terrible, but I trusted her and liked her. So I just said, I need to do something. So I'll just do this. And I did it and I hated it while I was in it. Um, then after, after I did it, I liked it. Um, and I invited friends and, you know, and Jay was like, you don't have to do anything they say and they can't tell you what to do. And finally, so then he was really mad about it. So he took it and of course loved it immediately upon yeah. being in it. Uh, it was a, he was one of those first big examples that I can tell you about that what you resist persists because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I did not want to go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was okay. like, and he no knew all way. of it already. And I, yeah, I, I was we so went. full of ego and everything else. And then I go <laughs> ahead and go. And the first five minutes, I'm like, I'm in. It was like, <laughs> I was, 
communications major. Yeah. I already knew all this uh, stuff. All this stuff, yeah. It was, it was, it's embarrassing how big my ego was. Uh, he was really mad because they made him wear name tags. Oh, really yeah, funny. all the whole deal. Now we love name tags. We wish everyone wore them all the time. Right. <laughs> right. Transformed our relationship to name so tags. was so tight then, too. I mean, yeah. So that's how it started. Um, she did the landmark forum, and then I did the landmark forum, and then we did all that work. And we and started that, doing, uh, yeah, we did a lot of started doing different meditation work. We did, yeah. well, in fact, we started going to church. That was a big thing in our relationship, going to church. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. That was conversation. Even before that, that was a scary conversation. Oh, I we bet. We started wanting, oh, you know. We were partiers. We weren't going to church. Well, and I wouldn't say <laughs> we, that we those are not. mutually exclusive, but well, we definitely no, but we were, were not. people who thought that church was. Organized religion was for the other yeah. for people who wanted to hate gay people basically right. yeah I, I mean i think that's really what it boiled down especially to. at that right. time in the who... world yeah there wasn't a lot of like open and affirming churches out there saying come exactly. on come on exactly. in." Yeah. so so it occurred as though those are the people trying to bring you down and t- and reform you you know right. send you to conversion therapy or something yeah and so when i started and it was around the time we had started talking about marriage sort of talking about family like so like having these thoughts and realizing and, and missing the things about growing up in church that were really valuable to me, mm-hmm. missing the connection, missing singing with groups of people. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's like one of the places adult, you can do it you know? as a grown up. Yeah. Right. Exactly. In school, you could be in choir, you could do whatever, but there, as an adult, you really, I mean, maybe I guess you sing along at a concert maybe, but you really don't have those things. So there was stuff like that I missed and I missed, being in community with uh, people looking at bigger questions, people considering how to be good people and thinking about um, what value that was to me growing up, that there was a place with adults other than my parents who had things to say about being loving, kind, generous people. Right. Um, you know, I mean, you know, I grew up and felt duped, but then I realized it was, I always use the term throwing out the baby with the bathwater. Yeah. Totally. That, uh, I threw out everything that was so important to me and valuable about that spiritual side of myself um, because of the hypocrisy that I was able to see as an adult. Right. Um, you know, so I think anyway. a lot of people do that. I think that it's yeah. And then you start to like do the run from Jesus thing because you're like, nope. Yeah. I see yeah. all your bullshit. And now it's. I don't care that I feel better when I walk out of the door. I don't, you know, I just can't deal. <laughs> exactly. Well, so then I, yeah. So then it was, I, when it felt that way and I felt like Jay was going to think he'd been duped. Mm. Yeah. Right. It wasn't true. And well, the funny thing was he was actually feeling the same way. Once we finally got brave enough to tell each other, Hey, I think I might want to consider, you know, having a church community of some kind. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it sounds like such a silly, I mean, it sounds like to people who are already in that world, it probably sounds like a crazy conversation that would be difficult, but I totally understand where you're coming from to be like, we were not there. That was not the space we were in. And it seems like such a drastic shift to suddenly go from being not religious or you know spiritual or whatever to being like hey i want to go to church next sunday <laughs> i mean that's a that's a conversation and to find a church i mean then to like go then what yeah yeah and so then we started looking for churches and we uh, it was actually i want to give a shout out to our friend and and thompson cook because ann is the one who introduced us to the church we ended up going to 
Um, and we ended up being there the entire time. And it was the first open and affirming church in Washington, D.C. called Dumbarton United Methodist Church. And we loved them. I know. And we Yay, went there. We loved our we loved our community there. And uh, so we go to, started going to church there. And then it was after that that Anne also rec- was the one who recommended that Jessica go to the Landmark Forum. And that started us on our, yes. our journey there. So. Maybe you should interview Anne. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that would be a great interview. And actually, that's true. Anne would be a great interview. And the many voices um, that she works with. Well, I guess she's retiring from now, but it's yeah. an amazing, amazing program. Yeah. Um, so we... Uh, it was, yeah, it was with that one of those conversations where it was like, I'm, I kind of want to do this. And I was like, oh my God, I've been thinking that same thing. So mm-hmm. then we started looking and then we found that. And then we started transformational work. We did Landmark for a long time. We started doing meditations. We started just being all in that world um, of doing that. And then uh, I mean, yeah, we, we moved a- here. Cultural creatives groups, remember that yeah, we had done? Yeah, all kinds of stuff. All kinds of. Yeah, anyway. we just started getting into personal development, yes. like both of us getting into personal development. Reading books. And the ease that it brought to our relationship uh, in terms of communication and being able to get off it with each other. And be, I mean, one of our first things of getting was being able to get that all humans make each other wrong or, you know, judge the, each other. And for us to be able to say to each other, you know, I'm totally making you wrong for slurping your soup like that or, <laughs> you know, like that, like and have have the other one just be like, oh, yeah, totally. Instead of being like, well, screw you, I'll go sit somewhere else, man, you know. <laughs> We were just like, oh, yeah, totally. That makes perfect sense. It sounds gross. You know, like we're it was just amazing to us that we could uh, do the transform ourselves and inside of that transform our communication to be so powerful. And so we that's uh, we moved here um, in 2007 to help take care of my mom. And uh, we that's when we started in New Thought and uh, went to the Unity Church here and uh, I had already started my coaching business by then, but really got bigger here and picked up into that. And then from Unity was where we started daily meditating together and mm-hmm. continuing to do the work. And well, and that was the daily was really yeah, daily meditation for us was a big deal. And Joey Klein's work. Yeah, and that came from Joey Klein. We did a course called Mental Mastery by Joey Klein, mm-hmm. where he gives like a. 40 minute lecture and then gives you a 20 minute meditation and you do that 20 minute meditation for two weeks and then he gives you another 40 minute lecture and so he really educates you about meditation and what it does for the brain and then has you teaches you to meditate so we did that together and that helped us start daily meditating yeah that's what for me moved it from being meditation is a really really good idea and i should do that and maybe i will (laughs) once a week (laughs) or I'll do it I'll go to a class and sit there for an hour the whole time thinking when will this be over when will this be over when will this be over please and I've been here for half of my life um that was what really moved me from that place to a daily practice and something that if I go if I were to go a few days for whatever reason without that I start to really notice a difference right so so you guys said you just said you you do daily medication meditations together. So this isn't something right. that, like you guys no, actually no. We that's how we started when we took that class. Yeah. We started putting the kids to bed and then meditating right away afterwards together. Uh-huh. That's, that's how not... we that's how we started. That's not what we do now. Right. Um but we do meditate together pretty regularly. I mean, at least a couple times, couple three times a week mm-hmm. we meditate together. This nice. week we meditated twice together. Sure. We like to go with Robin Goff, who's a local person who does guided meditations. Uh-huh. We do like together. We meditate with her. Nice. She does yeah. them about twice a month in town. 
that's got to be, I mean, that's a, I mean, that's a very intimate thing to, <clears throat> excuse me, to do to, together. I know from me, I get, I don't know, like I get weirded out in group meditation because I'm always like, somebody's not doing this and they're looking at me. And then I get all judgmental about myself. And so I think I would just like laugh with my husband meditating next to him. I'd be like, no, mm -mm." like I would never be able to get out of my head that he was like sitting there, like maybe looking at me. Like he was going to look at you? Yes. Well, and I guess my question would be, what if he looked at you? (laughs) I know. know. Like what a dumb thing. But that's like the thing that's going through my head. Like what if your husband might see you yeah he <laughs> might look at me being still <laughs> I don't know. it would be like if he looked at you while you were asleep yes <laughs> he might have seen it before oh that's so creepy I don't know <laughs> now you're gonna be talking to him about whether or not he looks at you exactly I'm like you don't ever do that do you <laughs> then he'll tell me yes and I'll be like never fall asleep again no <laughs> great you're gonna have a sleeping disorder now because your husband might look at you <laughs> wait a minute That's I've known this for 15 years but oh goodness well so then you are a Zumba instructor I am and Pilates right uh, yes, I did. I did start teaching Pilates recently. Very cool. Mm-hmm. So you that gets. I mean, like, so you have, and then you have two beautiful little people in your lives. Mm-hmm. Can you mm-hmm. guys tell us a little bit about that process? I mean, so you guys moved here. You guys are in the work. You're doing amazing things. Your relationship is kicking ass. Like you're everything's going really well. Jay's business is growing. You found your church community. You sort of settled into this life that you're living together. And then, so you decided to then have kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, and then, like, and it, why? <laughs> as Jay has mentioned, he was afraid it had ruined everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, no. Uh, well, we had actually started trying to have children before we moved to Kansas. Oh, okay. Because I was trying to have them physically okay. birth them. Um, and that did not work out. So we tried that for five years and then took a year off. And then um, we took a year off from doing any actions around that and said, we're just going to pray about it mm-hmm. and think about it and you know, right. see what we want to do. And he, we were clear, we could just not have children and, and our lives would be fine. <laughs> they were, we loved our life. Everything would be fine. So did we want to, do we want to pursue adoption? Um, we hadn't gone, we'd done a few assisted things. We had not gone and through IVF. So we could do further uh, fertility treatments, which it was difficult. I had called about that around to a couple of places and have had places in Kansas city that would not work with us because Jay is trans. So we had to deal with that. So then of course you're dealing with infertility and someone says that you on the phone. I can't even, you know, like my whole blood pressure, like I can feel my body get hot. My body's hot right now. Just (laughs) thinking about it. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, so then that puts you off making phone calls, you know, after like two of that, two of those, um, getting to the point where you go to ask a question like, Oh, well he doesn't work with, people who are transgender and yeah. like, well I'm not so you know <laughs> yeah it was anyway um 
so that was frustrating too. And then um, we met Wendy, who talked to Wendy about who you had uh, interviewed with recently. And she talked to us about the foster care system. And I think was one of the times we looked through, looked at that and thought about it and decided to do that. And there were a couple of things around that. Number one was we thought, okay, so the thing with foster care is you may or may not adopt that child. And for many people, they don't want to go that route because of the pain that can be involved if you become attached to a child and they are going back with their family or or if the child has been treated in some way that's, um, I mean, obviously to be removed from your family, typically they've undergone some, they've had some trauma in their life. And we decided, we just, we felt that we were people who could be committed to the best and highest outcome for that child above our own wants or thoughts and desires around that. And we could stand in a place of, if this child is able to be placed with their family, back with their biological family, then we want that for all of them. You know, we were okay with having that. Be That's the, the goal. Yeah, we were, we and we were, we were behind that being the goal, if that makes sense. And we felt like we we felt like we could stand in that place and give love to a child and stand in the place that it was the perfect thing to do. If we were people who were unable to have children, but we had felt like we had this love that we wanted to share with the family, that we could be that and do that. Um, and we decided from the beginning, we said if if some if a child who's in our care is that they're you know with their parental rights gets terminated, we will adopt them. That regard you know that regardless of kind of I don't know that it wasn't right. like shopping for the perfect right. child or something. Yeah. You know because when you have a child, you don't have a choice. Your child is the way your child is, and we all have dreams of what our kids are going to be like that may or may not be what happens when our child is born. Um, and I just, I felt the same way about if that child is led to be in our home and can stay in our home, then that is our right. child. And so you first were, um, you first was, was uh, Emmett your first placement or? No. Okay. He was our second and placement. And so you did have a situation where you had a child that was with you for a period and then returned. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. We had okay. Two, two. but we they had were two go back to their grandma's. Yeah, they were very short term because they were able to be the short term about three weeks because they were able to be placed with okay. family, family. Yes, family. Because when a child comes into care, ideally they would like to place them with a, a kinship placement, but they have to do the background check, so they're not moving you from a parent to a grandparent who's just going to give you right back to the parent or who doesn't right. have a safe environment themselves or aunt or uncle, you know, they just have to make sure. Um, In one case, I think that one of the parents had to move out of the house because they'd been living with the grandparent, you know. So, um, and that's good. You know, obviously they were only with us for three weeks, so. (laughs) But it's good to be able to be, you know, provide a a space for them that was Mm -hmm. safe and comfortable and good before they could go back to their family. Yeah, and it felt good and right that they'd be able to be placed. To go back to their family, yeah. He was, t- Jay talked about, you know, knowing his sisters and how they feel about being grandmothers. Like, of course, he wanted the grandmother to have that they child. Yeah, yeah, to family. And so then you've had, you had Emmett come in 
and he's lived with you for how long before you were able to go through the adoption process? And how, how long was he with you before you realized we're going to, we're going to be able to keep this little one? Not very long. Yeah. He, there was a high chance from the time that we, um, that he was placed with us, that he would be a permanent yeah, he came person in. in our life. Yeah. Um, just because of his particular situation. Yeah. Um, so we kind of knew the minute we saw I mean, I kind of knew the minute we saw him. Um, but you never know. But and you there, never know. Yes. But and there were definitely times. It was only six to- months that we had him before his his mom relinquished her her rights. And we then we moved into adoption. That The adoption process takes mm-hmm. a while. Yeah, because then it's a separate new process. Right. It's a separate process from foster care. So you move into adoption process so we had him for six months before we moved into the adoption process then the adoption process took another six months so it was a little over a year that we had him before we actually had him adopted and then during that same time frame did was it rose joined your family before you adopted the adoption was complete right yes yeah yeah in fact uh, Rose joined our family before we ever moved towards adoption. We had him yes. about three, four months before we had Rose, before we got Rose. He came in August and she came in December. Right. And it was February when, when uh, we found out he was that adoptable. He was, that he was available. And so they're not very far apart in age. They are five months no, apart. The, we, the, the, the Wonder Twins. Yeah. <laughs> Wonder Twins. And so yeah. they are both in first grade. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. She'll be seven next month and he'll be, and he's six. Wow. He'll be seven and in so April. So you guys have a whole lifestyle switch now where you have kids come in. There's so many things that are changing. Yeah. You know, Jay's talked about before on, on the podcast about how, you know, becoming a parent really ended up freaking him out and that there was a lot of fear around what happened. Where was, where were you in all of that, Jessica? I mean, you, you were, you were mom and dealing with, one and then two kids pretty quickly. I'm trying to remember. <laughs> I, mean, if, I totally I mean, know. It's like a blur. I blocked that out. I don't know. There was there was a lot of sleep deprivation, as I recall. Um, well, and going through the foster care process is, is different, too, I think, than just having or adopting a child because there's a different set of people and circumstances and emotions that you're managing around that. And uh, Jay obviously had, I know he has shared, was going through a hard time. He'd had a lot of loss in his life around that time. So it felt, uh, I remember feeling a little like, wow, you were always the one who always knew you wanted children and wanted this big family. And you're the one who's freaking <laughs> Wait a minute. Out. Yeah. That's exactly what happened. I felt a little, a little bit duped for a minute. You know, I thought I was like, Really, because I, it took me a much longer time in my life to get to the point where I decided that I wanted to have children because I always had looked at all of the things that are <coughs> stressful and difficult and things that you cannot control and, you know, that they're going to need therapy to deal with what you did, no matter how <laughs> wonderfully you did it. <laughs> Remember, Je- Jessica asks all the right questions, right? I don't ever ask anything. I just barrel through He was it. like, I had a big family and I always wanted one, you know, and just, I, to me, I was like, didn't you, you've been around children. <laughs> you you didn't. didn't know that they act like this? What? Are, nope. what? <laughs> you know, I don't <laughs> So, 
so that was, uh, you know, something that was new for us to deal with for sure. And I think we did it like we did everything else. We just really communicated a lot about it, um, about what our needs were and expectations were around that. We did the work. I mean, we, I had to change my language around it. I had to like not let what was in front of me, which was my head telling me, holy crap, what did you do? Um, I ruined my life. I ruined my relationship. I like all that was yeah. what mm-hmm. it felt like. And I had to keep just. I had to double down on my spiritual work. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we did all that stuff. She did it with me. And then, and I was, she was always there for me to say, okay, look, I'm yeah. working on this. <laughs> you know, help me figure out how to, to start, what I can start focusing on that right. will make it better rather than me focusing on what's not working. Cause it's so easy to go focusing on all the things that aren't working and that you don't want. Especially when you're so tired. When you're so tired. Oh my God. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. our son wakes it up at that time, woke us up about seven, seven times, times a, a night. night. Yeah. It was. Do you? How much do you sleep when Whoa. your average wake up is five to seven times? It was times terrible. In yeah. your eight hours. And I was span. over forty, yeah. so it was rough. And you're a sleeper, like yeah. you need your so, hours. Like yeah. I I'm a sleeper. So yeah, it was. Uh, it was. It was crazy. She so, was. Uh, oh. She was a rock, though. She was like. Well, I'm trying amazing. to think what's helpful for people, and not just say, "Wow, that was hard," and then we fixed it. Well, that's what I was trying to say. What's that we actually our focus? You know, to what, what is? Working. But what were the things that we really did to shift it? I'm trying to just think what if someone were going through this, what would I tell them to do? Um, for sure, I for myself had to give up uh, blaming blaming him, mm-hmm. right? So it was it would. Have been easy and that I like at some point in my life I would have done this I would have been like you were the one who wanted to have kids and was so excited to be dad and now we have kids and you're acting like oh this is hard like it's a big shock and you know yeah that so for me it was giving up being right about that like oh it's it's okay I don't you know not it's okay but it's I mean it is okay but that it's not a, you don't win because I chose yeah right right yeah. I don't get to blame him and say this is hard and it's all right. your fault like we both did all the classes and filled out all the paperwork and did all the conversations to decide that we wanted to do this and we wanted to be parents um so I got to be responsible for my choice in that and I for me and I tell people this all the time because I had such a negative view of parenthood as a young person it's always shocked me how natural and easy so many things were the things that I thought would were going to be a problem like I thought I would be jealous Mm -hmm. of them or that I would feel like like I was suffering and not getting to do what I want to do because I've got to do all this stuff Mm -hmm. with my children that that really wasn't the case it was actually when they were there that seemed like the most natural thing in the world to want to do. And so for me, it was interesting how some of the things I thought were going to be challenges for me, just given my personality type or whatever, really were not. Because once I was in that relationship, I was in that relationship. You know, I had these beautiful, amazing people. And they are. Um, They're gorgeous. They're gorgeous little human beings. So do you do the work yeah, with the kids? Fun. I mean, are, are the kids meditating? Are the kids, you know, do you have those conversations yeah, around these type of things? <laughs> they. We tried to get them to meditate. We haven't, we haven't been unsuccessful at uh, getting them to meditate yet. We are doing brain training with them, which is mm-hmm. neurofeedback. We um, are 
Jessica, you know, one of the things that Jessica's a very powerful leader in our family with how we are taking on our own choices around parenting. So she has read books like Duct Tape Parenting and Looking into Positive Discipline and Nonviolent Communication. And like she's a big leader for us around that. So we have family meetings every week where if we have an issue in the family, we bring it to the family meeting. We talk about problem solving. We give them options to to do problem solving. Um you know, we haven't. Uh, it, it we they they attend you know church with us obviously, so we're consistently talking about that they are the universe or that they have God inside them and things like that. Um, we haven't, they haven't heard us yet around like our language and how powerful it is what we speak. Um, but that's also you know we try to stay conscious of that conversation. That's where I'm always sharing that Jessica is very powerful for me because she's more conscious than I am most of the time, at least of my language. I don't know if she has it of her own, but um, she's very conscious of my language. So much easier to see it in someone else, isn't it? So she will remind me to pay attention to what I speak and how we don't want to affirm things about our kids that we don't want them to have in their lives. We don't want to, you know, when I was, you know, frustrated and saying that Emmett was like a destructo machine she's like that's not who we want him to know himself as right so yeah, we are let's, not affirm that. let's not affirm that yeah that's what she'll say let's not affirm that you know so we're conscious around that you know who we affirm them as things like that so you know i i would say yeah we do the mm-hmm. work with them mm-hmm. I, I guess that's kind of the and i know that there's probably not a fully magic answer here but you know when you when you talk about the relationship that you guys have you are 100% committed. You are in it. I mean, like, you are in it with your each other. You're in it with your kids. Like, you are, you are, there's no question mark ever, at least from my perspective and what I see. And, and so that sort of part of it, how, how did you guys get there? I mean, how did, is it, was it, immediate was there some is it just because it's the two of you and your soulmates or whatever or like how did you get there i don't know there's a couple of things for me anyway um that i've learned along the way and part of it is that as i do the work and i i say this in seminar that all of your small and all of your triggers and all of your stuff will come up with your partner you know your relationship partner and because she's transformed as those things come up we both work to get off it with each other and to get to you know like just the other day she was hijacked around something and and then we had an interaction that wasn't you know powerful or wasn't wasn't (laughs) fun (laughs) right but within like 15 minutes or something she was coming back to me going hey I just wanted you to know I was triggered then I apologize it's not what I'm committed to you know and I I I knew she was triggered and, and I didn't take it personally And so I was like, oh, yeah, no big deal. I didn't take it personally. You know, but that's how we communicate. Like, we're really clear about that we're human, and so we're going to get triggered. And we're just both really conscious of those things. Um, Also, there's a couple things. One is we both come 100% responsible for the relationship. Can you explain that? What is – I mean, what do you – Yeah. Yeah, that's – (laughs) A lot of people say, a lot of people would say that your relationship is like, should be 50, 50, like I'm 50% responsible for the relationship and she's 50% responsible for the relationship. And that makes a hundred percent, but we don't come from that place. We come from the place that I, and you know, this, I say I create everything. So if, if I'm creating it all, then I'm a hundred percent responsible and she comes from the same place 
And that is power. I mean, well, that's amazing that I, we can both come from that place. I want to clarify. I wouldn't necessarily say that I'm coming from a place that I'm 100% responsible for their relationship. Because let's be real, like there's people who do things in a relationship that are pretty unacceptable. Mm -hmm. However, what I think what I am responsible for, I am 100% responsible for my happiness in right. our relationship. And that's what I meant. Yeah. Okay. Um, We're so, both each. I'm 100% responsible for my happiness. She's 100% responsible for her happiness. But that means, you know, there are things that may be a reason that you want to end a relationship for sure. Uh, or, I, I, you know, I don't think that that means that everybody is going to, you're going to be 100% responsible. So no matter what the other person does, even well, if they're, no, yeah, I don't you know, that. Yeah. Uh, treating you like dirt, then that should be okay because you're 100% responsible. I mean, that's a silly assumption. Right. And, and harmful to people. So, but there's a thing that's really common, I think, when you're expecting maybe to be a 50-50 thing in a relationship, that the other person should do the things to make you happy. Right. Totally. Yeah. Like that, you do the dishes. I'm unhappy because you are doing or you are not doing these things. Certainly we should be able to request from our, our partners or our spouses the things that we want, you know, I really, it's important for me to spend time with you. Uh, and I feel like I haven't seen you lately. Can we plan time together or make sure we plan regular dates together so that I don't feel so separate from you or something like that. There may be something like that. That's a request, but if your happiness is reliant on their behavior or them doing or not doing certain things. I think, you know, somebody shared at one of the shift twos, she said, I always used to have around my birthday, this disappointment that people, even though I didn't tell them what I wanted, they, that my spouse didn't plan a party for me or that they still had other things going on. She was like, this year, I said, oh, I don't have to feel this disappointment. I can just plan to do what I want. <laughs> yeah. And, be happy. and she had a par pool party with her friends, you know, and it, that's the kind of thing that I'm talking about when I'm talking about being a hundred percent responsible that a, I don't expect you to read my mind and then I'm going to be mad because you didn't do what I thought that you should know to do. Right. Uh, or so there's that kind of situation or, you know, I'm not going to be happy unless you change your behavior around the things you like to do. Mm -hmm. You know, Jay likes to, and I have to, and I like, Jay being happy. Jay likes to watch basketball all the time. I don't like to watch basketball all the time. And so I plan to do other things. And I'm glad for him that he has that thing he likes to do. He doesn't spend all his time away from the house only watching sports or something, which would be, of course, a different, maybe a different dynamic and situation to talk about. So really, I mean, so like, I, I totally get where you're coming from. And I think that that's such an important and valid point is that it isn't and I think that you just gave a perfect example with the basketball thing so for me for a long time my husband loves to watch football and he likes to go mm -hmm. to the KU football games and he likes to go like four hours before the game and tailgate and then he goes to the game and it's this huge thing and it takes up our entire Saturday and he wanted me to participate in it with him and I had no desire like that's the last thing that I want to do is stand in a parking lot, like <laughs> eating food right. on my Saturday. And so I would get so angry about him kind of forcing me to do this 
Or on the flip side of it, I would get angry that he didn't want to, like that he would choose to not to do that when he knew that it was something that I wasn't interested in at all. And so I was like, why, right. why don't you give that up when you know it's something that I despise? Why do we, why do we have to keep doing this? Or why do you, why do you keep doing this even without me? Once I said, I kind of put my foot down and said, I'm no longer doing this. Like this isn't, mm-hmm. ha- I don't want to do this anymore. But I still like blamed him for the fact that right. I was then sitting around fuming over the fact that he went. And I was like, right. And and then it's like, all of a sudden I was like, wait a minute. No, like he goes and does a happy thing. I go and do my happy thing and I go shopping or I do my nails or whatever it is that I want to do. And we both have that time away from each other Mm -hmm. to do the thing we want to do. And there's no guilt or mad about any of it. And then we come back together and we're happy. And that's the kind of thing that we're talking about when we're talking about like that type of situation about being 100% responsible for your happiness in the relationship because you could sit around and blame him for liking football. But like, what does that do? Why are you doing that? (laughs) And how helpful is that to anyone? And there may be times that, you know, you request, Hey, on this particular date, you know, hopefully they'll be able to consider, you know, different kind of maybe compromises in some of those situations, but for sure you can set your life up so that everyone can have what they want. Yeah. And be happy for that. It doesn't have to be just because we're a couple doesn't mean that we have to have the same dreams and aspirations and all of those things. You want to be on the same page, but you don't have to be, you know, always right right there. Yeah. Because you're 100%. Like, I bring 100% of my, what I can offer the relationship. And if he brings his 100%, Mm -hmm. then it's like, we're we're good. Nobody's responsible. Just like if he doesn't do the dishes. I can be like, yo, dude, that was, you know, something that you said that you were going to do, but I don't have to, I don't have to like beat him up over it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But it, and exactly. And that's, and that's the, that's what I mean is then you look at when you're having, when I'm having, or you're having, or he's having those feelings, we can immediately go, it's immediate blame, blame and shame. And that stuff comes up automatically. But I'll notice when I'm starting to blame, you know, Jay hasn't been around or Jay's doing this or I don't get to do that. You know, when, if I get in that cycle, then I get to look for myself. What are you, what are you doing? And what is it you want? Have you said what you want? Are you doing what you want? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, cause typically for me, it's just a way to escape responsibility. Right. And get out of being responsible for it myself. And, you know, there's times and you, we all know there's times where somebody does something and it doesn't bother you and somebody does something and it does bother you. And that has everything to do with you and nothing to do with them. And it's even more, it's even bigger when it's in this relationship that you've committed to. I mean, like when it's the two of you and you've got to face each other every day, there's so much of that that just starts to, to grow. And I think that's where that resentment level grows is where we start to mm-hmm. say, you know, you're not holding up your end of the bargain, you know, like where, and and if you come to it with the fact that it's like, I'm responsible for my happiness, where, why am I keeping quiet about it? Why am I not saying, hey, this is making me unhappy, or this isn't, this isn't what I want, how this, I want this to go, like, how can we work on this? Um, Mm -hmm. You don't have that, like, resentment just 
build and build and build until until it just explodes. And then you're yelling at somebody over, you know, underwear on the Mm -hmm. floor versus the 70 other things that kind of led to that point. Well, and there's a couple of things, too, that I would assert are agreements between us. And I don't know. I mean, we've talked about a couple of times and I don't think that I, I, I don't know that we have actually at or at least in her world, I don't know that we actually said, this is an agreement. But <laughs> he doesn't this, know if I agree to the agreement. Right. But I assert <laughs> that they're agreements, which are, it's kind of like, a, you know, maybe unspoken of agreements, but they're, one of them is we aren't in competition with one another. Like we have friends who are couples who compete with each other a lot. And I know that like sometimes in, um, I find it more in heterosexual relationships personally, but also, you know, I just find that sometimes in couples, there's some kind of weird competition that doesn't exist in our relationship. Like it just doesn't, Yeah, it's just never yeah. been there. It's like, it you just don't have the checklist of, well, I did this and this no. and this and this and this, and he did nothing. Right. No, yeah. no, it's just not, yeah. it's just not there. The other thing is we both, uh, I say we both come that hundred percent responsible for our own happiness, meaning that I will, I will transform anything in the way of us being happy and powerful. And that's what happened when we had kids Mm -hmm. was, yes, it was difficult. And yes, I was up against it. But all along, I'm telling her, I'm going to transform this. I'm going to figure this out. (laughs) And she knows she can count on me to transform anything in my way. And I believe I can count on her to transform anything in her way because that's part of our agreement is like we're going to do our work. Work to to deal with our stuff to transform whatever's in the way, and I and that for me is is very powerful. The other one that I that I think actually we did speak once. Uh, we yeah. had well, I mean, I think we had an agreement one <laughs> time, it? which was that we don't speak badly about each other. Oh yeah, yes. We have an agreement. We don't trash each other. We never. You're never going to hear me say a harsh word about her in public to re- anybody because that's not the only way you know her is through my words. Right. And the and I want you to know her as somebody who's powerful and amazing and a con- contribution to my life. I love this one. Not somebody who pisses me off and drags me down. So we agreed at some point. We were at a at an event where we met this couple and they just kept trashing each other. Yeah. <laughs> and we were like, wow, that was terrible. <laughs> let's never do that. Okay, let's never do that. Well, and so was- we kind of agreed we wouldn't do that. There was that talking about how uncomfortable it is sometimes when people yeah, are when people are in this. Isn't it uncomfortable but when people are trashing each other? In addition to that, I remember at some point having a conversation with you about that complaining about your spouse and one upping complaining about your spouse seemed to be a a way people a way people oh yeah totally yeah. Uh, it's like compla- it's like how gossiping and complaining mm-hmm. is is we we use that in place of actually being intimate and vulnerable with people to create relatedness. And so I thought it was, I just remembered thinking it was weird and like, I can't contribute to this conversation because I feel really awkward. I don't know these men that you're married to, but boy, you sure have a lot of negative things to say about them. I don't think I'd really really want to hang out with them. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't seem like you like them very much. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Totally. Like everything they do is stupid, annoying, lazy, and bad. I, I'm not following this. And so and, you know, we talk a lot about the, the power of your words and what you're creating. So if you're constantly, you know, if you're constantly complaining to me about your husband, my idea of him is going to be pretty low. Yeah. And and that you're reinforcing whatever those things are you don't like about him or, you you know, that aren't your favorite things about him. And so 
I don't or know. Or even just, making it up. I mean, it can even be, I think that there are right. times where I've caught myself where it's like you're in that space with your girlfriends or whatever. Right. <laughs> yeah. And everybody's bitching and moaning about something. And so you'll be like, oh yeah, totally. I, you know, and like you're right there because you want to connect with somebody over something, you know? So it's like, right. this is the way that we connect is to complain about how shitty our husbands right. are, and our partners are. Where we came to a conscious decision, like, hey, let's not do that. Let's make sure we don't do that. Like specifically consciously not do that. Not that I had a lot of, not that I was running around complaining about them all the time, but that, you know, if I, it's that whole thing. If I have a complaint about my spouse, I should talk to my spouse about that. Possibly a therapist, yeah. but not, not everybody friends. I'm eating lunch with at right. work. Cause uh-huh. what are, what's, I don't know. I didn't, I was like, I don't get this. Like, let's relate about how crappy our relationships or spouses are no it's so true that's not to say you know sometimes we are having problems and we need to have assistance with that but that's not what this is in those situations it isn't hey I don't know how to talk to you that would be different if you and I were personally having a conversation about how how you wanted to to you know it's like getting coaching from Jay around a relationship is not the same as going around trashing your spouse you know the idea there is I want this to be working and I but something's not, and I'm trying to figure out what it is. And I love that. I mean, this was one of those ones that um, I, I, Jay had had say had told me at some point because I always, I think I was, what I'd said to him was, I love how you are so complimentary of your wife. You know, if somebody mentions your name, he gushes. I mean, he just like talks about. I mean, the, the way that he speaks about you, like it makes. I don't know. There's just something about the way that he speaks about you that just makes me just, yeah, it's just beautiful. It's just the way, I don't know, like I'm tripping over myself because literally I get kind of tongue tied around it. Cause it's like, you don't hear <laughs> people talk that way about their partner very often. You just don't. And I don't know why you don't, but you know, to hear him speak about you it just shows what, I mean, how amazing of a relationship that you guys do have, but it also like makes it feel like that's a possibility, you know, like that, that like normal, normalizing, saying nice. Right. Exactly. (laughs) You're like, that could be the way we are. Like, why am I not that way? Why, why am I not striving to be that way versus, kind of sitting in the norm of complaining. Um, And when you see that there's a relationship and when you guys watch each other together, and what I hope our listeners get from this is that, you know, relationships are hard. There's nothing that you guys are doing in your life that you aren't sitting there in perfection and zen all the time. You guys fight. You you disagree. You have issues. You have kids. You have messes. You have, you know, ups and downs and happies and sads and all of those things. But in the end, you guys are a partnership that is doing this together, together, with that being the ultimate at the, you know, at all points is that this is, who you are together and that you're going to make it through it together as a team. Right. And sometimes, you know, we've dealt with things where we have to remember we're on the same team, you know, finances can get stressful. For example, that's an area that we've had to do a lot of work in just because 
we came from different came with different conversations to the table and it's easily triggering in different ways and um that can be something where it's it's I mean we're really obviously we're on the same team with this <laughs> we like we want abundance we want prosperity we want our needs to be met we want to not be worried about that and then anytime we do come up with that stress sometimes it can start a little oh, you're doing this thing. And then it's like, no, that's just me. And my hangups about finances, <laughs> not anything about you or what you're doing or not doing, you know? And if you're someone who hears things, hears someone else's upset as blame or, or that they're not providing, you know, I know a lot of men have the provider thing, thing about that, you know, for, that's culturally been handed down that if they feel like they're failing as a provider, then, then there's a need to, protect or defend themselves or feel shame about that or whatever that, however that, however that shows up for that individual, you know, like we talk about the small, it shows up in different ways, but sometimes that, you know, that's what's at the table. And then we have to go, Oh, we're just doing our thing. (laughs) Let's remember (laughs) we all want the same thing here (laughs) and come from that place instead of our defensive or avoiding kind of, uh, patterns she's just so and like seriously it sounds like it's so should be so easy (laughs) but it's not it is not and it is it's one of those simple but not easy kind of yeah things and and that's why watching you guys and literally there are times where like I have I think we need to create like the what would Jay and Jessica do shirts or something like or reminder (laughs) buttons because there have been times like seriously in my relationship where I have thought Okay, here I am in this moment. What would they what would they do? Are they going to, you know, how would how would they manage this because I have my knee-jerk reaction to, you know, and I have a relationship where I am the outspoken talk about it, dig into it type of personality and my husband is the opposite. He he needs to listen and he hears and then he walks away and then, you know, give him some time to sit about it and think about it and then he'll come back and have the ability then to have a good conversation about it. We spent 12 of our 15 years of marriage where I did not respect that and I didn't get it and I would be so mad that he wasn't fighting with me. I'd be like, not about me. <laughs> it's about the fact that that's what he... Learning, yeah, yeah. Well, then you can respect and appreciate that you have a partner who wants to give some thought to what he says before he shoots crap out of his mouth. Exactly, (laughs) exactly. You know, or says things he doesn't want to say, and really thinks about what you're saying. Like many people would like to have a partner. Yeah, (laughs) and here I am pissed off about it. Like. I can't believe he just won't fight. But with when me. you're angry and you're looking for a fight, as Jay Small does, looking for a fight, because I am, he's, we've had that too. Every once in a while, he'll look for a fight with me. And I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> and then he's like, oh, uh, I think um, I'm picking a fight. <laughs> go, go back and try that again. Oh my God. Like, Why are you acting like that? It's yeah. weird. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that you can call each other out on it. And, it's not, it's not a bad thing. You know, I think that's the other part of it is that you, because you guys do the work together, because you guys are so in, you're in it together. When somebody says something to you like, Hey, yo, uh, looks like you're triggered or wait a minute. Why are you coming at me this way or whatever? The other person isn't then like 
pissed off, like that you're pointing out a flaw or whatever. You're like, oh, you're grateful for the fact that you have a partner who's willing and able to do that. And that took time to get to, too. Yeah, it took a long time to get there. You know, sometimes he was looking for a fight and was really pissed that I wouldn't fight. You know, like you like you said, and I, you know, and I was like, oh, I was more like the don't don't talk silent treatment because I don't have anything nice to say. So I can't say anything. I'm just going to sit and stew in my thing until I can, like, forget about it and move on. <laughs> <laughs> but we've learned to really complete things so that they were really fully complete instead of just like, okay, we're going to get past this, but I'm going to feel mad about it for a while quietly to myself until I'm done being mad about it. We were able to really communicate in a way that the the feeling dissipated and that that consciousness of the love we have for each other was back in place. And that I'm sure we're at the end of an interview and I have no time to really explain that in a way that makes sense to anyone. So sorry. No, I think <laughs> that it does. I think that it does. And I think that that's another conversation that we could probably talk about. But I think that is the idea of getting complete, you know, with a situation. Jay and I have talked about that on the podcast before is that so often we just sort of like let it dribble. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, that wasn't done. I'm not done with that yet. I've really got to get back into it and see what it is. So I totally appreciate that part of it as well. Well, we can be specific because I know I'm willing and Jay, Jay and I are both talkers and I can sail right off topic so fast <laughs> <laughs> that I thought people thought people might go, I thought this was about relationships. I don't even know what I'm <laughs> talking about. Like this is about them going to church. Yeah, I don't, wait, I don't understand. How did that happen? No, no, this was this was perfect. And I think that we could probably talk to you for hours and hours more and we're going to bring you have to come back because one of the things I do also want to have a further conversation about is like the the parenting part of it um, and the work that you guys do in the parenting side of things. So I think that that's something that um, that a lot of people could benefit from. You know, we've your relationship goals and then parenting goals, you know, like it's a, it's a work in progress on totally the parenting. Progress. <laughs> and you know how it is. The children are always changing. They're, They're always changing. changing. Yeah. And you're like, dude, this worked yesterday. Why the hell isn't it working uh, today? Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been enjoying the Tilt podcast. I don't know if you guys have mentioned or talked mm-hmm. about that, but that's a great one for differently wired kids. Ooh. And I cannot, I cannot remember the hostess's but name. It's called Tilt. Um, it's called Tilt. It's the Tilt podcast. T I L T for differently wired kids, and definitely for anybody who has a child who is differently wired. It's a nice conversation. She has sometimes interviews with her son, sometimes interviews with specialists in different areas. Maybe we and, can get her on our podcast. Ooh, I think that's a good uh, one to go after. And uh, so I've been enjoying having that. It's nice as a as a parent sometimes when you're dealing with things that are a little outside of just what you could typically expect. Some, some, you know, someone who's neuroatypical, uh, some, sometimes things work differently. And so it's nice to have, like... Have somebody else out there who gets it. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's things that... There's parenting challenges coming to every right. parent, but it's nice to have a little space for that online in your oh, area. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. I can't believe we're already here, but we are, and we're actually over. So I know way, way, way sorry, long, but long, we long. will, it's okay. I think people are going to enjoy every minute of it. So we will have you back and we thank you so much for being willing to come and share that kind of intimate part of your guys's lives. It's, I, I do want to acknowledge that you guys were, 
you know, we are talking about our marriage and our relationships, and, and that's a hard thing to put out there to the world. So I really appreciate the fact that you are willing to do that. Um, and we will talk again soon. Thanks, Thanks right. guys. Have a great Thank day. You. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us on Doing the Work with Jay and Becca. We hope that you got a little slice of practical transformation that you can use in your personal and business life. And here's what we want to leave you with. Whether you are just starting on this journey of practical transformation and just starting with baby step affirmations just to focus you in a direction of loving yourself, or whether you've been doing this work for a long time and you can literally say, I am thrilled with the path my life is on, wherever you are, whatever you're dealing with right now, you're right where you're supposed to be. The thing that's in front of you is the thing that's gonna have you at your most powerful once you accomplish it. And what I know and what we know is if you're willing to take baby steps with progress, not perfection, and just staying on that horse, you're gonna get there. And we're gonna get there with you. So thanks for being with us. Now, don't forget to go and subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. Let us know what you think. And reach us at info at doing, uh, sorry, info at jayandbecca.com. And that will let us know if you have any topics you want us to cover or anybody you want us to interview. Maybe you. You can reach us on our Facebook page too, right? Yep. Yeah, totally. So um, that's just facebook.com slash jayandbecca. All right. We'll see you around next time. Bye, Join us.